0: Join me on my mission to create a new tomorrow as I chat with industry experts, elite athletes, thought leaders, and government officials about how we activate our vision for a better world. We may agree and we may disagree, but I'm not backing down. I'm Ari Gronich, and this is Create a New Tomorrow Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Create A New Tomorrow. I am your host, Ari Kronich, and today I have with me Brian McKibben. Brian is an attorney turned author of children's books. And I'm going to let him tell you a little bit about that story of how he went from that transition. So, Brian, why don't you uh, tell the audience a little bit about that transition of how you went from an attorney who specializes in mediation to an author writing children's books?
1: yeah well um first of all I didn't expect <laughs> to take that transition um when I when I went to school I was always um sort of funneled into this uh, career and um I, I discovered I I liked being what I what I sort of call an anti-lawyer more than a lawyer so that's why I became a mediator because you're trying to put people back together rather than Uh, in litigation you're you're essentially you're trying to tear them apart it's it's in your best interest as a lawyer to keep the fight going because you keep getting paid um it's in the client's best interest to settle the case because that's what they're going to do at the end I found I didn't like fighting um I I liked peacemaking and so that, that that was a transition in my own career and I think with that mindset um I've always wanted to be a writer but um When I was younger, I thought I would write thrillers, and I guess with that more sort of serious adult mindset that you might say is in in the lawyer's typical head. When I became a mediator, it's about shifting perspective and generally about bringing happiness, and I think that all sort of coincided then with with the little thing that happened to me in lockdown, where... um, some we local kids calling
0: it lock time somebody may not know what that means oh sorry that,
1: that's just my accent lockdown in, during the pandemic lockdown. when we were all told to stay home um some local kids uh decided to uh to cheer us up i guess um and they would they would ring the bell you know the little game children play ring the doorbell and run away but when you came down to answer the door the first time i came it was very surprising because i looked down and there was a little bouquet of flowers so they left these little flowers that they would picked and they they'd tied them up with a bit of uh, sort of coarse grass. And, um, and then they, they, they came back over a few days and it became apparent that they wanted to play a little game and, and for me to talk to them, so, so I did. And then gradually these little heads would come out from where they were hiding and we would play this game that I, could, I would pretend not to see them and still talk to them, you know, as if I'm talking to thin air. And this went on for a few months and when I was taking walks we have some woodland behind where we live. The idea of a story came to me and and, um, so I started to write this book called The Flower Fairies as a result of this sort of little inciting incident Mm -hmm. Um, and then I got got a bit of writer's block (laughs) with that after a while and um, luckily enough for me one of my characters in the story had this pet uh, ducks, and um, one day the story about uh, one of the adventures of the little dog came to me instead and, and that one flew. Um, I'm, I'm still writing the other book it's still in development I guess you'd say but Siggy the Dachshund was born and um, and I've written about half a dozen of those stories now um, two of them are published and there's a, a sequence ready to go so that, that was the transition really partly mindset and then partly a little bit of luck i guess and a little bit of inspiration from some lovely little kids that you know came like uh, like the flower fairies you know to, to deliver some flowers for us and, and cheer us up
0: that's actually that's pretty cool i like hearing those stories of what people have done during this particular craziness in yeah. order to create joy and create happiness and and um, so that, that's really cool. What I'm interested in, what I talked to you about a lot uh, in our pre-interview yep. is the differences in perception between tearing things apart, putting things back together, peacemaking versus, um, you know, ripping away. And mm-hmm. how does that relate to your book? Yes but um but more importantly for me is like let's dive deep into the perceptions and the things that people you know could get benefit from in this time of like the world feels like it's being torn apart yeah. instead of being brought together so
1: yeah i mean there's there's a lot of thought isn't there in yeah. when when you're when you're a, a litigation attorney um as i said before you know the 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 profit motive is is always there. So when you talk to a client, if they have a, a dispute, you're always telling them about a, a kind of fictitious best case scenario. You know, ultimately, that that's why there's so many, you know, court step settlements, because it's only in the couple of days before the trial that your lawyer starts to, to level with you. And, and then everyone's disappointed to find that they're not going to score, you know, right. 100 nil here there's going to be a compromise um and i think you know the the way that the world feels at the moment is a wee bit like that where there's just so much angst and 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 so many people saying so many things that aren't you know that that aren't true or aren't verifiably true and there's a lot of disinformation and and i think people are, are probably quite i know i am quite um angst ridden at times when i'm watching the news um, in mediation if i was if i was sort of mediating that kind of situation it's it's about trying to change your headspace and and have a different perspective on things um, and a little bit like in the books to to find that little bit of joy somewhere because it's always there it just depends how you think about a particular event i mean obviously there can be just events where it's it's a complete catastrophe so i'm not really talking about something that you know like a bereavement perhaps or or something like that but but something that's made you angry is something that you can choose you can choose your reaction you can choose if you're gonna go apoplectic and, and start yelling at the television and throwing things at it right or you can just let it be and you know and get on with your life you know in in disputes that's that's a picture that I try and paint for my clients that um if they can if they can reconcile the anger that they're feeling with a different perception of what could happen later today when they walk out of the door without the the ranker and without the weight of this dispute, doesn't the second thing feel better? You know, being able to go on with your precious life because it's finite, and you know, how many days more are you gonna waste or months or years and money? Um
0: so so let me so let me take you to to a dark place. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's take you to a dark place. This is something that has been going on for centuries. Sure. And um I'll give you a little background. So I had a roommate who was a Palestinian Muslim and she was like my Mm -hmm. sister. I'm Jewish, Um, she and I would have amazing conversations, we would get into the meat and deep and dark and dirty in the conflict, Mm -hmm. right? But we had the perspective of, you're my sister, I'm your brother. And no matter what we say here, right, we will always be connected that way. And so we had a way of speaking to each other, that was kind, and yet, Um, forceful in our own belief system so we were able to get these things out Mm -hmm. so my question to you would be let's go to to that kind of a big picture if you were mediating Mm -hmm. the the you know palestinian israeli conflict right something Mm -hmm. that's been going on for decades Mm -hmm. and that nobody seems to have been able to get through and I and I'm saying this because I didn't want to talk. I didn't want to say mask versus not mask or vax versus sure. not vaxed, mm-hmm. right? Covid versus not covid, conspiracy versus you know the industry is amazingly you know perfect and would never try to hurt you. Yeah, so I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not talking about the, the the really deep stuff. I'm talking about just this conflict,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> just this little conflict. Just this
0: little one. <laughs> So, so let's mediate this in a way that brings both sides together. Let's look sure. at what what would what would you do as a mediator in that situation?
1: I think what I would what I would one of the skills the mediator tries to bring is to um, to talk to people in a way that um, that makes sense to them to help them reframe stuff to help them think about perspective, but but also to to get. Their, their buy-in that the mediator is sincere so in this it's, it's a nice example you've picked for me because I grew up in Northern Ireland um, so the the Protestant Catholic conflict there is is quite similar and, and you know in, in many ways it, it really is you know it's it's a a lot of people look in on the on the Palestinian-Israeli um, conflict and see it as a Jewish-Muslim thing, and and there's an element of that, but my sense is that it's it's not just about that. Um, or, or you know, there's there's a, there's a lot of nuance. It, the same thing in Northern Ireland, people think that it's just Protestants fighting Catholics, but there's there's a big proportion of people in the middle, rather than a, the people that you see shouting and fighting at either end. Um, <clears throat> So what I think I would do to start with is to try and reflect to to both, we, we call them participants in mediation, not parties, because party is slightly pejorative or, or divisive. So um, I would talk to my participants, each separately, because it's part of the trust building rather than throw them into, mediators differ in this. I, I don't favour throwing them straight into a room together because I feel that's a lot of, tension and a lot of um anxiety that they're going to feel initially so i come and talk to them and hopefully I, I lower the temperature a little bit with each of them and um so that that's how i would start is to try and reflect my own experience and and help them i hope see that maybe i, I can have a, a useful perspective on, on their problem and um I, i've also some lived experience that they can they can believe in that that might make it worthwhile listening to me and what I might try to say to them. Okay, that's how it starts anyway.
0: Right. So, so let's go, let's go deeper on that. So the first idea is to gather understanding. Mm -hmm. And understanding in the mediators point of view is going to calm tension. So yeah, right. So the first idea is the middle party that has no uh, say in the situation, no stake, so to mm-hmm. speak, yep. is, is going to be the learning phase. So we're learning and understanding about the other party. Now, what's next?
1: Well, the, the, that phase goes into SIGS, sort of neatly into, into listening to what they want to tell you. Um, Part of the process at that point is is for them to feel heard, so you listen and you would reflect what they're saying so that they they can understand that you're hearing them and also that you're understanding what they're saying. Right.
0: So the um, technique is called active listening. Correct. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and from there, you would start to have an element where you would you would ask for permission to play devil's advocate. Um, and what, when you're doing that, then you would be going through a process of, of trying, to, trying to put into their head the, the, the way that they, having listened to them, trying to help them imagine how the people in the other room are feeling um, and how the sense of their anger about whatever it is, is quite similar to that. Um, And in talking to them about their ideal solution, um, and then trying to elicit some sense of, um, I I hesitate to say sympathy. Ultimately, you want some sympathy. Um, But in a charged situation like that, that, that's a step. So it might take a while to get there. Right. But, so but at least want... a little bit of empathy, yes.
0: Right. So, do you want sympathy or empathy?
1: Well, e- empathy will come first. Um, sy- sympathy, in the end, sympathy doesn't matter so much because, um, well, it depends what solution you're looking for. You know, if, if you, <laughs> if you want, um, you know, if you want this sort of solution where um, one one set of people on one side marry their daughter to the other set's son. You probably need the sympathy, but if, if you just want people to live together, a little bit of empathy will, will do. It certainly will go a long way to to getting to some sort of agreed solution. Okay. Um, so,
0: so let's just, I'm just breaking it down into, into the bits, right? So we do the learning about, we do the understanding the situation. We do the asking of questions and repeating back the act of listening, repeating back what you're hearing yes Um, so in a conflict like palestine israel right we kind of have an idea of um how people are feeling on one side they're feeling repressed and oppressed and uh controlled and like their land is being taken from them on the other side you got people who feel like their entire world is always being attacked and destroyed and they need a safe haven to be able to live and not you know, have people wanting to kill them all the time. Right. So yeah. you have these two different places where people are and, and both sides very valid. Right. Mm-hmm. So now we have an understanding. Okay. So next, what, what, where do you get to, how do you get from whining about the, 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 the problems, right. Mm-hmm. Into collaborating for solutions and successes.
1: Yeah. Well, You would have asked them a little bit further backwards about what an ideal solution will look like. And then you'll have reality tested and played devil's advocate with that a little bit so that you might have knocked some of the totally unrealistic parts of what the ideal solution, a bit bit like, well, you know, if you were talking about litigation, it comes down to numbers, but it'll help to knock out some of what you know the fantasy elements. The lawyer might have told them that we we can get you because it's not. I mean, you know we you know can go on to trial and and who knows you might have the perfect judge, but in reality it's very unlikely. So you, you would sort of try to narrow that ideal solution into something that begins to vaguely look like something the other side could could at least look at without. Totally freaking out, and you'd be generally as a mediator. I'll be going from um, the room with the Palestinian people to the room with the Jewish people, and as the process goes along and we're talking about solutions, um, you would start to get to the, the the place where you're hoping that they'll start to make an offer, and then you will you will start to talk to the other room about this offer and. The first offer will obviously be uh, a bridge or two too far, but you know you put it to them totally neutrally because I like to say as a mediator I'm I'm um, I, I'm I'm not I'm not in favour I'm not against anybody I'm, I'm Omni
0: right You have no stake
1: Yeah, um, totally no stake um, I, I'm not in any way biased so I will just put the offer This is what they've said. Um, occasionally I will ask them is it okay to um to tell them this snippet of information this sort of if you like that I, I, I'm the neutral insider in both camps so I can I can help and that's part of the negotiation process and hopefully um if if both rooms really want to find a solution and again that's kind of crucial You 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 start the whole process with getting agreement that we're both here today to work you know, really hard to find the solution, whatever it is.
0: Okay, so, so now I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it a little bit further. So you mm-hmm. have two rooms of people with like five people in each room, mm-hmm. let's say, okay? So four of the people in each of those rooms really like the solutions. Mm-hmm. One in each of those rooms is gonna sabotage is sure. like they're looking to sabotage. How do you get those people involved in the solution process? Because what I, what I see is like, you have the people who really want peace. Yeah. The politicians and the people who want power are the ones who have stifled in some way or another, the peace and this is the systems in america black and white this is the systems everywhere else you know that that divide us yeah so when i'm looking at a group of people and i see somebody who doesn't want to compromise who doesn't want to have an affect of solution how do you create a solution that um that is long lasting Mm -hmm. When there's like the, those little elements on either side that that can't seem
1: to let go. Sure, I mean that that, that is the million dollar question in in our scenario here, isn't it? You right. know, w- when I'm when I'm litigating, uh, when I'm mediating litigation, it's it's always it always comes down to numbers, and that's that's very convenient because that can be uh, you, you can make that as, yeah. as a sort of a non emotive thing. It's just, you know, it's a trade. Um, in our scenario here, it's very difficult. If somebody's gonna to be totally intransigent, um, I mean, mediation relies on goodwill. It's, it's a process of building that goodwill and for people to engage with it. If, if somebody's going to completely, <laughs> if, if they're not going to engage with the process at all, it's hard for you to move that that final stone. I guess the techniques that you would use is try to um, try to gain their agreement, their, their agreement out loud with the other people about what sorts of things they want, because that's a good technique um, insofar as once people have um, stated a position out loud in in, in front of people with witnesses. They don't like to go back on that. So if you can move them towards some sort of common ground with with the rest of their peers, then you might get some. Re- Ultimately, though, if 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 they're if they're so dug in, they're never going to want to come out. It's 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 difficult. And I guess in in our scenario, you know that that's that's kind of where we are. Having said that, you know, if you take Northern Ireland as an example, um, you you get. I mean, you, we, we, Northern Ireland, uh, you know, the, it's still a naughty thing. Um, if, if, if you, if you see at the moment, there's still shenanigans go on. And, and um, but nevertheless, you know, the, the, the peace happened there where people stopped killing each other. So, or for the most part, at least, so, you know, that that was a massive, massive step forward. Right. And it really how required
0: How did how did that happen?
1: Uh, well it happened over over a period of years so <laughs> the mediation i do is designed to happen in one day um i think that would be a that would be a, a big a big trick to pull off um in our scenario here so over a period of a much longer time the trust that needed to to be built was was built in so far as each of those sides felt it was possible for them to to make a a move beyond anything they could have imagined before so for for the ira that would have been giving up their guns and their and their explosives and having that verifiably done um, on the other side um on the unionist side it was um believing that that was going to happen and and you know they weren't going to you know they 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 weren't. When I was a child, you know, you used to get these things. They called all of the terminology around the troubles, even the troubles itself, is so sort of Irishly euphemistic. You know, the, the troubles. It sounds like a, a bit of a, an argument that you had with somebody over the fence. Uh, and we used to have these things called bomb scares. So <laughs> essentially, <laughs> that was where somebody had planted a bomb in a in a shopping centre or something, and it was evacuated in a semi panic, and you ran away it's just a scope. I, I can remember things like that. So anyway, the, the other side were um, brought to a point where they could believe that those sort of things and, you know, the, the violence would stop and, and and they believed that it would. Um, and then they had to also agree or come to to a mindset that they they were willing to. It's all about compromise. The settlement's not about getting everything you want if it's going to happen. It's about finding something you can live with. And in the end, um, both sides agreed that it was it was worth people not dying. That, that was a bigger prize than it was to hold on to weapons and, and, a, and an ideology that that required violence to achieve the result instead of a democratic means. Um, on the other side, it was about trust that the democratic means was going to be the way forward rather than the violence, I guess. Um, and the, the the process all the way along was was taking them to that place where they could climb out of the trench and, and see the clear land in front of them instead of you know this this obscured view that they had that. Um, made it difficult for them to believe right, it was right. possible to get out of the trench
0: so you know here's like the bottom line of what i hear is what i hear is the incentive
1: mm-hmm.
0: what are the incentives that you're offering for me to stop my behavior yes basically. and um hey, I, I must have gotten that right um, <laughs> i like it noise every now and then just <laughs> appears um so if the incentives are the things that get people to change Mm -hmm. right let's go back to a mask or no mask like there are some people they will absolutely there's no incentive that you could give somebody who doesn't want to wear a mask to wear it there's no incentive that you could give somebody who's afraid for their lives and wears two or three masks just to take off the mask right at that point Mm -hmm. So how do we get those people who are never going to agree, never going to understand each other, never going to be on the same page to at least be in a place of understanding and not trying to control one or the other, right? So this is is a a big one these days, this cancel culture, this... um, they call it virtue signaling or or morality signaling. And uh, and so it's like, I got vaccinated. I didn't get vaccinated. I'm going to be really excited about having gotten vaccinated. I'm going to be really excited about having not gotten vaccinated, right? There's this virtual virtue signaling. Mm -hmm. How do we get these two people to just say, yeah, you do you and I do me, and we could both be really excited about who each other is. Yeah. Instead of uh, the way that it's been along.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's I, I think for me, it it's it comes back to the empathy again. You know, when you um, when you look at issues like that or um, I mean, the, the, the last American election was was very like that, wasn't it? It, it seemed to this last sort of five years or so seems to have been a period of time where um it's very polarized you know it's it's an either or on whichever side you're standing you know the the other side is is demonized and and we seem to have lost that that empathy you know it's i don't know whether it's the age that we live in and the internet makes it easy to comment and because you're not speaking to somebody face to face you can say quite nasty things on your keyboard that you'd never say or, or you know, unless you were right. really drunk or very mad, you would never say to somebody somebody's face unless you're expecting a fight. You know, a, a little bit like you do in your car, I guess. You know, there's, you're, you're sort of insulated in this so you can swear at somebody and you're past it and there's, there's no consequence, I guess, is the, right. is the thing. Anyway, the, the, the lack of empathy that I think that we, we had more of in the past just as a natural sort of way of being um i i think if 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 we're going to alleviate this polarization you know we 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 all have common interests and shared goals i mean in in terms of masks or not masks i mean one place you could start is that you know (laughs) i was going to say nobody wants anybody to die i suppose sometimes at the far ends of the polarization that's maybe not all that's uh, totally accurate but by and large you know nobody wants anybody else to die so so that's um that's maybe something you can agree on and i guess that's the sort of thing that you start to try and put together is, is a set of things that everybody can agree that um you know we we want our kids to be safe and we want our schools to be safe and workplaces and, and for people not to be in fear. Um, and people don't generally like to fight, you know, so there's, um, there's a lot of shared values around stuff like that, but it, it, all of them require a little bit of empathy because if, if you can't find any shred of, um, of uh, something <laughs> where you could care at all about the other person, it's, it's gonna be difficult to, um, to stop that, that sort of animosity. I think,
0: right. So, so as a mediator, um, you know, you've got to be well aware of human emotions and, and the things that drive people forward, right? So this show is all about creating a new tomorrow and Mm -hmm. activating our vision for a better world. You did that when you, you know, got caught up in the lockup and decided I want to become an author while I'm sitting here waiting to, you know, have things to mediate. Yes. Um, and so you wrote a book about a children's book about kind of what you do in mediation. So yeah, why don't you just like let's talk about kids mm-hmm. because kids are going through amazing amounts of bullying online, cyberbullying and things yeah. like that. And I wanna to get to that kid because you did write a book about you know, a children's book. So how do we teach? I have a seven-year-old. How do I teach my son? He's already pretty empathetic, right? But how do I teach him how to mediate in his own mind, right? Sure. How to create that mediation mindset in his own mind now so that when he's an adult, he, it's in second nature to him to be in that state of empathy. Yeah. But how could other parents do that as well?
1: I think um, I mean as you said children are children are much better disposed than some adults to to forgive and forget and, and you know to, to make friends again you know you can see when they when they fall out and have a fight you know they, they can be best friends in a few minutes maybe over an ice cream or something um, I, I guess with that as an example you know, it's a shared experience that, that brings them back together and makes them happy again. It, I think I, think, um, I, I would say for, for children, it's very good for them in general to, to, you know, to excite their curiosity about things. And one of the ways to do that is to have them imagine how other people feel about this or that. Um, and I think that's the sort of headspace that you want them to inhabit because that's the kind of place where if you know if they're angry at someone but they can start to perceive why that person may have acted the way that they did and have a little little bit of empathy or even sympathy with that then they can't remain engaged with the anger and, and i think somewhere there is is the answer to um to helping them be, you know, better adults and and calmer, gentler, happier people. Awesome.
0: So talk to to us a little bit about um, you know, the few lessons in in this book. Siggy loves sausage. And and you know, I wanna end I always end the show with three tips and tricks and things that people can do to activate their vision to make a better world, to have a better world. And so why don't you talk about Siggy Love Sausage and the, and the philosophies and things that will help others to create their new tomorrow and activate their vision for a better
1: world? Okay, thank you. Well, um, Siggy so Love Sausage is about um, it's about a little quest that this, uh, this Dachshund goes on. Um, but ultimately, he goes on it because he makes a promise to a friend to help them out. Um, along the way, he has... Temptations to overcome. Um, that's the the tasty food stuffs that he has to ignore to to uh, to get his goal. Um, he has a little help getting his goal because um, basically because he's a good-hearted little creature, and there's a there's a fairy that decides he deserves a little bit of help um, for that. Um, then when he accomplishes the goal and, and he he uh, returns this item to its rightful owner. Um, again, ignoring the temptations along the way back. Uh, he's rewarded with a sausage. And the, the, the payoff line is that there's nothing a sausage dog loves more than sausages, even though he loves all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, it's about keeping your promises um, and being, being, um, being a good person, I guess. Um, and the idea that there's happiness in... In that kind of mindset you know in similar i guess to you know at, at christmas the the joys in the giving stuff rather than receiving it really isn't it so um i guess that's the lesson in the book and and, and something that i hope parents would want for kids to to take away that um you know selflessness is is better than selfishness
0: okay so fulfillment from giving that's mm-hmm. awesome. Is there anything else that you'd like to leave the audience with how they could, you know, maybe better mediate themselves? How can they get, understand themselves more? And sure. Thereby understand others more? Um, yeah, what kind of questions can they ask themselves to, to get to that point? So I just yeah. want to give give the audience a little bit more um, love so that they can really activate their visions?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, ultimately we 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 all want to be happy. And I think that, you know, we, we spend a lot of time in, in the world today looking at screens and seeing, I mean, the news wants to, you know, the news is is the bad news industry really, not the good news industry, isn't it? It's, it's, you know, you get higher ratings with the angst than you do with the sunflowers. I would say to people that, um, I think that one thing is true, and with the kids as well, is to to try and go outside um, and see nature, because nature just is, nature's got, you know, no angst. If you go into the forest, the trees are, are there and they're magnificent and beautiful and they're not, um, they're not fighting, it's very difficult to be angry in a, in a forest after a while. If you're with your child, the child will start to be fascinated with nature and forget about his smartphone and his computer games. And um, I think that's that's a great way. Just go in a walk in nature and it's it's hard to hold on to that anger. And in the in the doing of that, your your head will clear a little as well of, of the angst or the anger or whatever it was that that made you go outside to get a bit of relief from that. Um, and I think um, I think we should all do that. I, I've been trying to do that every day, for since um, since the pandemic happened, and I find it really useful. Um, that that would be my top tip: go out and into nature. It's wow, always dude. good.
0: Thank you so much for being here, Brian. I really appreciate all your uh, your wisdom, your ability to pivot, uh, and show that resilience as well in the face of. Uh, you know, what we've been going through is is amazing and commendable. And so I really appreciate you being on the show.
1: Uh, it's been my great pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. Okay.